2: Listener discretion advised.
0: The thing that keeps me up at night isn't the thought of the creature. It's the thought of where it came from. Who's to say this thing didn't crawl up from the caves, spanning hundreds of miles in every direction, hidden from civilization, thriving off the ecosystem?
3: I peeked out the peephole in the door and watched in horror as these three men came barreling around the corner, frantically looking around for me.
1: From Killer Podcasts, true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events, this is Disturbed. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're bringing you five real stories that will make your skin crawl. So sit back, listen closely, and dive into the horror. Our first story is narrated by Megan Barlack, about a woman who encountered the worst kind of horror when you live alone, or so you think.
2: This happened seven and a half years ago. June 23rd, 2016, while I was cleaning out my house. I was renting a house for a year, and the year was almost up. I wasn't going to be living there the next year, so it was time for me to start cleaning out and moving my stuff to my next place. The house that I had at the time was fairly small, but it was plenty of space for just me. I lived there by myself, and I had just finished cleaning out the living room other than some basic furniture, and I had moved on to start cleaning the kitchen. There were quite a few cabinets, so many that I didn't use a good number of them. I was looking through some of the ones that I didn't use to make sure that there was nothing I had in them. One of them I opened up, and I saw something in the back corner. It looked like some type of shirt or rag. I grabbed it, and I didn't think it was mine, but when I moved it, it revealed a small white lever that I could barely see. The cabinet was in the corner, sort of by the sink and halfway blocked by the stove. I thought it was just another pipe, but it just looked a little different to me. I leaned down, had to crawl inside the cabinet, which was pretty large. Once I got inside, I saw there was a small trap door to the side leading into the wall. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. You had to be completely inside in order to see the detail of it. And I decided to open the door, which led to an extremely narrow hallway with a sort of crawl space. But when I got farther inside, I was horrified. I saw that there was food as well as several blankets, as if someone had been living inside of there. The good news, at least to me, is that whoever had been there was gone. I tried to make sense of it to figure out how long the person had been there, how I didn't know about it. I was gone from the house a lot with work and other stuff, but I didn't know how it was possible for someone to live in there without me knowing. I continued cleaning until it got pretty late, and the next day after work, I continued. I was still kind of in shock with finding a secret room in my house and decided to look at it once again. I opened the cabinet and went inside, and then I pulled the lever open just like I had the previous day. But this time, as soon as I opened it, I saw a movement and then saw a person for a split second. They slammed the door shut on me and I immediately turned and ran all the way out of my house to my car and then called the police. I was so scared that I started driving away as well. I opened up my phone, told the police the whole situation and they came to my house a short time later to find that whoever had been there was now gone. I was absolutely disgusted knowing that this random person had access to my house for who knows how long. It felt like a vivid nightmare I needed to wake up from.
1: Next, we hear a story from Reddit user Pizzle the Clown about an unexplainable occurrence in the West Virginian wilderness, narrated by Paul Brown. When
0: I was about nine or ten years old, my uncle told me a story that has stuck with me ever since. Growing up in Kentucky, I've always heard tales of you know, Bigfoot or the Pope-Lick goat man The usual run-of-the-mill, urban legend, you know, campfire story. But in the case of the story my uncle had told me, it was different from all the other tales I'd ever heard before or since. So, Kentucky is home to the largest cave system in the world, Mammoth Cave. Since its founding on July 1st, 1941, only about 365 miles have even been surveyed by the human eye. It's believed that there are still over 600 miles of passageways and caverns yet to be discovered. The National Park is stretched over three counties spanning more than 50,000 acres. Edmondson, Hart, and Barron Counties. My uncle owned land in Edmondson County since the early 1980s. I remember hearing about how, when they were out hunting for deer, they would, you know, occasionally come across pits in the ground of various sizes at uh, the mouths of the cave entrances. They would usually just toss a barrel or a large tree branch into the hole so no one would stumble across it, fall in, and become trapped. Besides wildlife or or just getting lost in the woods, there there really wasn't much else you had to worry about, according to most people. This story takes place in the early 1990s, about five years after my uncle purchased his land. His closest neighbor, who I'll call Ken, lived about half a mile down the dirt road that ran parallel to both of their properties. They naturally became, you know, good friends over time and on occasion would accompany each other hunting. My uncle, he uh, he actually lived in Louisville and would, you know, visit his property in Edmondson County when he had off days or needed to do upkeep like mowing or restocking his pond. So, unlike his neighbor Ken, he spent more than most of the year in Louisville. On this particular weekend... Ken went out hunting for deer. He left his cabin and and headed off into the woods, as he had done 100 times before. He followed a path that he had used plenty of times before to a a small grouping of trees overlooking a large meadow. According to him, it was a perfect sunny fall day with not many clouds in the sky. He sat in the shadows underneath some uh, low-hanging tree branches, hidden from any would-be prey that might come by. Despite it being the ideal weather for hunting, he didn't see much in terms of game, just a, a few fawns and a doe. You know, not the, the big trophy buck he was he was hoping for. He'd actually been uh, entertaining the idea of just grabbing his gear and heading back to the cabin, but not wanting to go home empty-handed, he decided to stick around for a little while longer in hopes his luck would change. <laughs> his, his chest fluttered when he looked across the meadow to the left and saw movement in the tree line opposite of him. He pulled his rifle to his shoulder and looked down the scope. The thick trees and the foliage at the edge of the tree line prevented him from getting a good view of the animal in his sights, though. From what he could tell, it was heading towards the edge of the woods. He just had to be patient. When it stepped into the clearing and out of the shadows of the trees about 50 yards away, He knew almost immediately he wasn't looking at a deer. He tried to keep his hands from shaking his rifle as he desperately tried to identify exactly what it was he was looking at. He described its body as that of a panther. But the upper torso, where the shoulders and neck were, sat noticeably higher than its lower back and hind legs. He was looking at its side profile which he claimed while in mid-stride this thing had to be close to seven feet in length. He said it was quiet, like a cat. It never made a noise when it moved. The front legs looked more like arms, significantly longer and skinnier than its hind legs. It had brittle, dark brown hair that started from the back of its head and ran down the length of its back like a hyena. He also claimed that the creature's skin looked waxy, almost like a a chimpanzee skin. Dark brown, almost black. Its face was long like a dog's, but he said he noticed no ears. He said the the corners of its mouth ended by the neck where the ears should be. The most, uh, the most unsettling detail I can remember of his account was the thing's back legs. He described them as looking frog-like, as in the, the back legs were tucked up close to the creature's sides. When it, uh, when it walked, the, the leading leg would reach almost to the front half of its body, and the other leg would stretch way back, flat, like a frog when it's crawling. He watched it for about two or three minutes, slowly and, and quietly moving through the long golden grass. A black shadow surrounded by color. He watched it disappear into the tree line, directly across from the woods he had seen it come from. And After a few moments, he... he left and headed back to his cabin. Now, I don't know how long it was after this incident occurred that Ken told my uncle about it, but he, he was reluctant to speak on it. He, uh... he dubbed it the Kentucky Holler Crawler. Eventually... Ken explained the story in full one night while we sat around a fire with my uncle. Ever since then, Ken refused to go into the woods. He he claimed to only hunt from the dirt road running through his property afterward. Both my uncle and Ken have sadly passed away since, but their story never changed over the years. I even had my uncle retell the story to me a few years back just so I knew I had all the details right. Maybe this was just a, another tall tale used to scare me and my brother when we were kids, camping on my uncle's land, but I know one thing for sure. He was an honest man. In his eyes, they they told the truth when he would tell me that story. He had his fair share of unexplainable instances as well. I'm i am sure anybody would after frequenting a cabin in the middle of nowhere Kentucky for over 30 years. You know, the, the thing that keeps me up at night isn't the thought of the creature. It's the thought of where it came from. Who's to say this thing didn't crawl up from the caves, spanning hundreds of miles in every direction, hidden from civilization, thriving off the ecosystem? Nothing is impossible when it comes to nature. Nobody really knows for sure what is out there in the dark.
1: You're listening to Disturbed. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Welcome back, listeners. Our next story is about an unsettling encounter with an unsavory character. Narrated by Akim Balam.
4: I'm from California, but me and my family lived in Atlanta for about two years when I was 15 to 17 years old. The entire time living there was a saga within itself, but I can remember one specific incident that was unsettling. When we arrived in Atlanta, we stayed in a hotel for some months while looking for places to live. There was this handyman who worked at the hotel. He was a white man, maybe in his mid-forties, large belly, wore glasses, and always dressed in the same camouflage jacket that kind of made him resemble a hunter of some sort. He seemed friendly enough. He would always wave and joke around with all the kids and with my parents, and we were cordial with him. His friendliness started to become excessive towards the end of our stay. It got to the point where he would yell up to us from outside our window We would call back to him and laugh with him to make light of the situation, but it became uneasy for us when he kept doing it, night after night, patrolling the parking lot. At one point, we just ignored him and turned the light out, as if we weren't there. He became even more aggressive, shouting to us and shining a huge flashlight in our window, whistling up to us and joking about how he knew we were still up. He had a weird high-pitched laugh, mixed with his southern accent, That didn't sound like he was playing around. It was more sinister. In a sadistic, Pee-wee Herman kind of way. I can't describe it. I can't remember everything he said specifically, but there was a comment he made about us one time that made my father very uneasy. He compared him to someone on Unsolved Mysteries. There were little things he said about all the kids as well. How cute we were or something to that effect. It never sat well with us at all. It came to a breaking point one day. We went downstairs to our car and saw a hangman figure drawn in the dust on the back window. I'm mixed, as are my siblings. My dad is black and my mom is mixed race. We're in the middle of Atlanta, Georgia, the deep south, in a very awkward position. We're totally new to this state, and I had never left the West Coast before that point in my life. This image creeped everyone in my family out and we knew he was the one who did it. My dad confronted him about it and he played it off, denying that he meant anything at all by it and apologized profusely. But the way he did it was in the same weird joking manner that he talked to us with. It was very hard to take seriously. This and the fact that this hotel was robbed at gunpoint in the same week motivated us to leave immediately. I never saw this man again, Though we had many other insanely creepy experiences down south. And after a while, we just came back to California and never looked back.
1: The next account is narrated by Michaela Ray and comes to us from Reddit user Honeybee Blues. It's another reminder not to go out alone after dark.
3: I was on vacation in San Antonio with a friend for New Year's. In retrospect, I would have picked anywhere else to celebrate, but I had never been to San Antonio before, so I thought it would be cool. When we pulled up to the place, it was very obvious it's not in a great neighborhood, but it was extremely cheap and within walking distance to the Riverwalk. I'm no stranger to questionable neighborhoods, so I wasn't too concerned about the area as it was very quiet. On the day of New Year's Eve, my friend got food poisoning and asked me to get them some stuff from the gas station down the road. I wasn't comfortable taking their truck, and since it was only an eight-minute walk, I started heading out. I got to the gas station no problem, but they didn't have any Pedialyte, so I started walking to another gas station only five minutes away. This is where it gets sketchy. I'm halfway to the next gas station, and I notice there's two homeless guys walking around outside their tents next to the street I'm on. Originally, I was going to walk right past them and pay them no mind. But when I got closer, I could tell that they noticed me and were staring at me hard. I'm 5'5", not super athletic, pretty strong, but I'm not taking my chances with two grown men. Instead of going straight past them, I turn the corner. I assumed they would go about their business and leave me alone. I hear one of them say, Hey, Randy, come over here. And I glance behind me and see three men now following me. They're far enough away where I'm not worried, but extremely cautious. I glance behind me again after a few minutes, and they're hunched over, huddled up like they're trying to sneak up on me. Much closer this time. I make the smart decision to say fuck the Pedialyte and round the corner back towards our place. I'm maybe one to two blocks away when I check behind me again, and they have also rounded the corner and are walking quickly. I start booking it, and I hear the men behind me yelling at me. I didn't look back this time, but I could hear shuffling feet breaking into a run. Thankfully, I made it inside before they could see where I went. I peeked out the peephole in the door and watched in horror as these three men came barreling around the corner frantically looking around for me. They're arguing and pointing around, but eventually they fuck off. If I wasn't so alert, I shudder to think what would have happened. And no, I did not get the pedialyte. I had to get it delivered.
1: Our last story is about an unfamiliar knock on your apartment door, narrated by Cameron Rennie.
5: Very unsettling encounter with the stranger at my door. This happened about three years ago, but I still think about it from time to time and it still creeps me out. I had just moved into a new apartment on the first floor of a building. It was late one night, and my roommate was out when someone knocked on the door. This was not uncommon, as we were in college and my roommate had friends that would come by to hang out at all hours of the day. I just figured it was one of his friends. So I got up and checked the peephole. Staring right back at me, through the peephole, is an eyeball pressed against it. Again, this is also something that one of our friends might just do to be funny. I chuckled and opened the door. Surprised to see a guy in his mid-twenties that I didn't recognize. He was strange to say the least. He was very hyper and immediately launched into a door-to-door salesman type pitch. I can't remember exactly what he was even selling, but it was something about the local university, which I also attended at the time. The whole time he was talking, he kept looking past me into the apartment He was fidgeting and even standing on his tiptoes to see inside. Still, I just thought the guy was weird and nervous and might not have been all there. I politely declined to buy anything from him, but he wouldn't take no for an answer. I finally had to be pretty stern in telling him that I wasn't interested. He finally accepted defeat, and as I was closing the door, he put his hand out and stopped the door from closing. Before I can be like, What the fuck, dude? He smiles at me and says, I like Mario Kart on the Nintendo 64 too. Now, me and my roommate had been staying up late into the night playing Mario Kart 64 in my bedroom for the past several days before that, but there was nothing that he could see from the apartment entrance that had anything to do with Mario Kart. I was taken aback and tried to add things up in my head. I confusingly asked, How do you know I play Mario Kart? He then got super nervous and said, Oh, oh, I just thought that anyone with a couch like that would be into Mario Kart on the Nintendo 64 because, you know, it's like a retro game and that's a retro couch. What? Then he said, okay, bye, and literally scurried away. I shut the door and locked it. I start trying to put the pieces together on how he could have known that because, obviously, it wasn't because of my grandma's old couch. Remember, it's a first-floor apartment that backed up to Woods. My roommate got home shortly after that, and I immediately told him about the encounter. He was freaked out, too. So I started investigating. At first, it seemed as if there was no way to even see inside my room. My blinds were always down. We went outside and tested it and found that the only way to see inside would have been if you had your face right up against the window. Even then, you kind of had to crouch and close one eye just to get a glimpse of the inside. A couple more creepy details. My window was over a balcony, and the Nintendo 64 console itself was stored inside of the TV stand and was not visible. You'd only be able to see it while we were actively playing, which we never did until we were a little stoned and it was like 2 AM. So basically, this fucking creep had been jumping the railing to our balcony, Pressing his face against my window and watching us play Mario Kart in the middle of the night Never saw the guy again, but needless to say I was pretty paranoid for a while after that I Constantly checked my windows and woke up in the middle of the night paranoid that he was standing just a couple feet away watching me sleep Just a very unsettling encounter I'm glad that nothing more ever came of it and that I never saw him again. But I have always
1: wondered what his motives were. Disturbed is a production of Killer Podcasts, a part of the Evergreen Network. For more paranormal and true crime shows, visit killerpodcasts.com. Follow our social channels, at Podcast on Instagram, or disturbed underscore pod on Twitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and reviewing on your favorite listening platform. Share your own true horror story at disturbedpodcast.com. Music by Epidemic Sound and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Our producers are Noah Fouts and Elizabeth Flood. Our audio engineer is Nathan Corson. Executive producers Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Till next time, stay safe out there.